0: we are yoga we are community we are christ-centered we are people who live beyond ourselves we are holy yoga i am holy yoga
1: i am holy yoga
0: i am holy yoga i am holy yoga i am Holy Yoga. Hi there. Welcome to We Are Conversations in Community. My name is Brooke Boone, and I am honored to host three of my, now they're even more favorites of mine. <laughs> I said in the first part of, of this series of, of podcasts that they were my favorite, but now after I've had the first conversation with them, uh, they're even more favorites uh, of my own heart and mine. So um, welcome back, uh, Tyler Johnson, Johnny Goodmanson, and Billy Thrall. Um, We are talking about uh, today, our ninth episode of the year, and we're opening up and discovering one of our four pillars. Uh, It's community. Authentic community was our first podcast, um, and this second installment is going to talk about reconciliation in community. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Is it possible? And if it's possible, how do we actualize that well? Um, Much like part one, I'm not going to do a foundation, and we're not going to really do an actualization. We're just going to have a conversation around the topic for the total amount of time that we have which is about 40 or 45 minutes so um, I'll make sure and make my intro nice and brief so that we can have as much time as possible with these three amazing individuals as a reminder um, I always say this in every podcast I think it's really important if you've just found us or you've been with us the whole whole time here the reason why these podcasts exist is not that we as Holy Yoga want more fans we don't want more agreement with what we think what we're actually doing is uh, We're wanting to create an environment where we can engage in a culture and community through honest and diverse conversation. We believe that we come into the fullness of our identity when we know who we are and what we believe. We are a community committing, committed, pardon me, to having the, these diverse conversations so that our thinking and ultimately our being is supportive of exploring the fullness of diversity. And I love in our conversation, our part one conversation. Billy said, um, "You know, we think of we think of um, uh, conformity being agreement. Well, actually, diversity is what breeds." an authentic community it's not conformity and so this idea that these podcasts exist so that we can explore different ideas maybe in faith or or certainly leadership styles or the way that we engage our lives and and so that's our hope for today so welcome back the three of you um if you've not uh, been with us for part one i certainly uh, encourage you to go back and listen but let me do a quick little intro of who we've got here uh tyler johnson is with us today senior pastor of redemption church arizona so Welcome. Thank you for being here. Great to be here. Johnny Goodmanson, who is the um, operating officer for Chief Operating op- Officer. Yes, it's hard to say. For Holy Yoga Ministry. She's our resident pastor. She has uh, her degree in church ministry, and so she serves uh, with Holy Yoga. And then uh, last but not least, because he was first and foremost last time, and that threw him off. So last but not least is Billy Thrall. He is the executive director for Movement Day Arizona. He's got 30 years of ministry in Phoenix, focused specifically on urban for the majority of that time. So welcome back, the three of you. So honored that you're here. Thank you. I actually asked Billy if he would kind of kick off this second installment with what he left us with last. And that was, um, what is, if you're going to put your flag in the ground in authentic community, what is that? Like, what does it all hinge on if you're going to put a flag down? So go ahead, Billy.
2: I'm going to say it different because I don't remember what I said before. (laughs) I basically think I talked about honesty. Uh, Let me just say it this way. Uh, How does Jesus treat us? What does he expect? Does he expect us to conform and get it so then he can love us? Of course not. Does he expect us to get our sins in order so that he'll die for the really bad ones? Of course not. Uh, I love Romans is so powerful. I mean, Paul's basically saying when you're at your very worst. Yeah. like really the worst then jesus jumps in full love actually that's what the scriptures are about uh i can't be jesus but i want to understand his grace for me that way that i don't have to show up and play church for him i don't have to play leader i don't have to play like i got my act together for jesus Mm -hmm. why then do we do that to each other uh why why do we set up contexts and environments where people have to kind of put their best face forward as though that's more spiritual? That's not creating community. It's creating conformity. It's creating church. It's creating a thing and clubs. And I'll just say one other thing about that. Uh, Conformity is nice and orderly and helps make sense, and we can write books about it because we've started to categorize. It's okay, I get it. I understand safety. I want to have everyone in America drive on the right side of the road. That's very good conformity. (laughs) I appreciate that when you stop for the red light. Green means go. That's all conformity. I don't want people to just do whatever they want because then we have chaos. But in a spiritual human sense, I don't want to be treated as a rule abider. I want to be treated as a person. And whatever baggage you're going to find out about me tomorrow, I hope that doesn't put my relationship with you out the window. And I think what the, what the world is craving, especially in the United States right now is authentic community. And I think what they mean by that isn't, Hey, let me get away with whatever I want. They might say that, but I don't think it's what they've learned. What they're looking for is, will you take me the way I am? Am I okay here? I'll learn what you learn eventually, I think, but can, am I, can I just come in my condition to your environment? Would that be all right? Uh, I, I mean, I'm just thinking context in my life. I was a prison chaplain for a while and I used to call it, you know, gospel in the raw, 40 minutes with guys in jail once a week. I couldn't do church with them. I couldn't play. We didn't have time to set up conformity. I would just read scripture and we would talk. There was something precious about, we're all at the table here, we're, we're all invited. I don't need you to not be in prison to be close to Jesus right now. Mm-hmm. You're in prison, so let's be in that. It was a little more stark, obviously, environment. But I think that's what I hear our culture craving. Uh, I, Charlotte and I went for a bike ride last night with this really funky urban bike club that we found about through a friend, not believers, and it was so out of our comfort zone. It was, we were by far twice as old as everybody. Um, but I sort of, I'm watching this crowd and I go, what is, why'd this happen? What's happening that this group finds each other every week for a bike ride? And I think it's cause it was authentic. Uh, mm. it wasn't about the bike. It was about, I'm part of this. I fit. And I kind of thought, wow, that's, I think this was what Jesus was asking us to create, create environments where anybody in whatever condition felt like they could be part of it. And then by the way, let him do the work in them.
0: Yeah, that's right yeah I love that. thank you. And I think that that is what happens initially, right Where they go, oh, these are my people. They look like me, there's a conformity. I, I can show up as me, um, urban, I like to ride my bike. I, like there's all of these kind of common denominators. but what happens what happens when um, some of the things unearth yeah. th- that's authentic community. This is community what we're talking mm-hmm. about is we go, I want to be seen. I want to be I have a place at the table. these people look like me. I'm comfortable with conformity. It feels good to me. But if community is not built on conformity, what happens, right? When what happens when that by group starts to have a deeper conversation and they don't agree? Yeah. So they want they want to be seen, they want to come as their own. How do we steward that? Well, that's a tension, I would say. And can tension be dynamic? Can tension actually create instead of destroy? Or what do we do with that? I think Let me just add this real quick.
2: I do think people also want to be led. So they want to have a place to be known, but they also want to not be stuck in their patterns. And they are looking for leadership. This is why communes fall apart. This is why the, the idea of the hippie thing, we're all just going to get along. Eventually they fight because someone wants to rise to power. People are looking for someone to direct them toward health. So, but I think if we start with that second thing, if the first thing we say to people is come here and you'll grow they're going to not want to come. Come here as you are, number one. Secondly, we would like to offer a way that we see growth happens. But I think if we flip that, no one's going to want to come.
1: That's right. Well, and it's vital because you fit into that biking group because you like that thing, right? They accept that part of you. Everybody Mm -hmm. in that group accepts accepts that part of you. So can I enter in a place where you might not accept that part of me and I still fit in? Mm -hmm.
2: Right. Mm
0: -hmm. Tyler, what do you think? I like watching Tyler's face, right? Like I'm like, I'm on the the edge. Well, I'm on the edge of my seat. I feel like really expectant. Oh, it's coming.
2: The encyclopedia right now is scrolling.
0: (laughs) Wish you all could see his face.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think
3: even in the midst of the conversation, one of the things that's so challenging is like Billy talks, and then he goes, I want to say one more thing. I'm, I'm also talking about leadership. Like this is real, is that human life let me start by saying this. I'm a Christian. I didn't grow up in the church. And I say this a lot. I'm a Christian now, first, because I love God, because he first loved me. First John says that. Um, But I'm a Christian, humanly speaking, because I really do think it gives the best sense of reality, the way the world really is. So I'll listen to a lot of people that I feel like really get this sense of human beings are amazing. Yeah. And really do incredible things and really amazing and i'll listen and go yes 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 but then they stop and i'm always going but they're also really screwed up and like really do bad things to each other or then you'll get around people um, especially in the christian tradition that will talk about people are worms they're awful they're terrible we're sinners to the core and i go okay, like, I know we're sinful, and I know it goes all the way through. Um, I have this line where if sin were blue, we'd all be Smurfs, you know, like, (laughs) it's just real. But then you go, but is that it? Because that doesn't testify to reality at all. But the Bible tells us we're made in the image of God, that we did fall, and it did affect all parts of us, but we're still made in the image of God. So it's this, people have said, I have a friend, Rick McKinley, wrote a book called This Beautiful Mess. Like, it's beautiful, but it's crazy messy and not just messy like your kid's room's there and if you get on them enough they'll clean it up like this is a mess that you go I can't just put this all together I've got to look to outside help and that's where when the psalmist says I look to the hills from where does my help come my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth Mm -hmm. and so even I loved what you said in the previous podcast Brooke about we're not just saved once we're continually being saved and the Bible talks about that in Christ, in whom we were saved, are being saved, and are going to be saved. Like, Mm -hmm. it's getting the whole look at this. So because of that, um, when we talk about tension, problems in relationship, the fact that reality says this is not easy. Like, doing community is great in idea form, authentic community, until reality butts up against us, like, the second day we start doing community and go, (laughs) I don't really agree with what that person said or I don't even know if I really like that person and then going what does that mean and what do you do and I think always if I think Johnny said this maybe in between the two podcasts but this sense of love is the centerpiece of the whole bible I mean I would argue that vehemently it's all over and I would say it is the most under played out Part of the Bible that's everywhere mm-hmm. I mean it's it's amazing to me the amount of people that can do what they call biblical exegesis which just means they're going really fine on the Bible line by line word by word trying to study this and if you can come out and go this is all. if, if you can come out and not say this is all about love I just go you're like you're way too in the weeds like mm-hmm. you're so buried in the weeds that you're missing the absolute obvious in this. Um,
1: Or it all got into your head, but none of it got into your heart. Got
3: into your heart, yeah. And so for me, when you talk about tension, one is, and why I wanna go back to these realities, is we should always expect and embrace tension because sin's real. Like, this is real. And we live in a world that's full of tension. So if you don't, if you're surprised by the fact that there's tension in a relationship, you're surprised by the fact that there's disagreement, You should challenge, and you mentioned this earlier, your assumptions and your expectations because you're not living in the real world. But if I can expect and embrace it, then I have to answer what your question is. How do I move through that? How do I deal with people? And if love is the primacy, then at the end of the day, I have to go, whatever the answer is in this relationship, even if it is, you know what, we really should separate for, this time on an organizational level, you should go your way and I should go my way. The reason for that should be love, not like, I can't handle you anymore. This oh, is crazy. Man. But in that, in that, I'll just say this, you have to look at Jesus in this. Uh, I had a friend of mine who said to me, one of the things that I think we've done really wrong as Christians, he said, is we haven't studied the cadences of Jesus. And he said that and I went, that's really interesting. I said, Mm -hmm. well, what do you mean? And he said, well, we'll say all these things like Jesus accepts everybody. Everybody can come to him. Not only can come to him, he goes to the most unlikely of people. One of my favorite examples of this is, which I don't have the time to play out the passage, but when he encounters the Gerasene demoniac, um, if you look at God hears the cries of the oppressed in the Psalms, This man is crying out from the tombs day and night. And I'm convinced the reason Jesus says, let's go to the other side is because he's hearing the cries of this kerosene demoniac who nobody will go to. He goes to him, encounters him. There's this crazy encounter Jesus has loving a person. Nobody wanted to not just be around, not even come close to. The man's radically, radically healed. Then asks Jesus to go with him. And Jesus says, no. And you're going, what in the world is that? And th- and he said, these are the kinds of cadences you have to, is there's these times Jesus will radically encounter somebody and then intentionally erect what seems to be like this barrier. But he is love. First John 4, you mentioned this in your podcast with Donnie, First John 4, God is love. So something in that encounter is him loving this man. And my friend said to me, I'm convinced it's Jesus is giving them an opportunity to know he won't always be right next to them in the flesh the spirit will be and he's going to teach them to encounter the father through their moments so that there are and he he was saying we don't intentionally study the cadence of jesus of like these realities of he really lives in the midst of real life and has moments where he's so honest it's uncomfortable with people like the pharisees and then so radically self-giving in his love at other times that you're going Do I really want this? So last thing I'll say, I had a friend of mine, another friend of mine say to me the other day, if Jesus, if you aren't consistently being disrupted by Jesus to the point where you go, I don't know if this is what I signed up for. You're probably not following the real Jesus.
0: I love that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, uh, thank you. Hold on, my mind is rattling. (laughs) Um, I think that there's tension an opportunity we talked about tension being dynamic and how we have to understand that there will be tension and we think outside of ourselves but there's got to be a tension when you intersect Jesus when he's you know when he's when he's in your face about you're making you very uncomfortable right where he's like listen this is the truth of what's going on and it's very uncomfortable if we hold that to be our assumption of Christ through the duration of our life, right? We go, well, he's he's just always going to speak really hard truth to me and it's gonna be very uncomfortable. If that's my filter, if that's my assumption, if that's my expectation because I had one experience with God, then we leave ourselves vulnerable to not be able to receive the immense compassion the healing the love the deep love of christ and so even in that i think for us as individuals when we come to the father there is an inherent tension within ourselves where we go i don't even know i'm not even in unity with myself like i don't even know what i believe i don't know what i i don't know i don't know this jesus i don't know that like there so there's this inherent tension that we bring to the table in community that's actually steeped from within because we can't help but show up to our lives through the filter in which we've all experienced it
2: yeah think about what it means to follow jesus what does it cost you might say "Well, it's an amazing thing where you get saved forever and it doesn't cost anything it's you know it, and i go well i want to i want to caution us i think americans have a prosperity gospel and we can't help ourselves we think do these things and life will be better go to these retreats it'll save your marriage go to these read these books your kids will be fine we, we, we have it in church. Come to church enough, and it'll all make sense. Your life will play out right. That's a prosperity gospel, which isn't in the Bible. And, and I, I, every time I try to screen that, I think to myself, how would the 11 apostles hear this message, whatever the message is? You know, do these things, and you'll not just work at the company. You'll own the company. Wow. And I can just see Paul going, uh, I'm in prison. Uh, I lost everything and I've been beaten and shipwrecked and I'm starving. That's what it meant. And I'm not saying that's pretty radical, but that's kind of how all it played out for all of them. And really for the first 300 years of the gospel, because it didn't mean follow Jesus and get happy. Totally, It didn't mean follow Jesus and we got everything we wanted, just layer Jesus into it. It meant a whole new paradigm for success and failure meant a whole new paradigm for cultural shift in in the brain of what what was going on. And and it, that is, we, we, we feel it. I think we feel it. So we want to be close to Jesus. And we know it means trust at a level we've never gone to before. Because it's letting go of the dream that I think I had pre-Christ every day.
0: Totally. It's that, I, as you were speaking, I'm thinking this deep dependency. Like this deep, like... If it all go like, where else will I go? Jesus goes, you can leave. <laughs> and he goes, where am I going to go? Like, I've sold everything. The, my whole identity is found in you. It's this, who am I and what am I living for? Answered in Christ. Sorry, in Christ
2: Johnny, I want you to talk. But I, I'm thinking about <laughs> one, a hike we were on. So the, the, the a few of us were on a hike a few years ago in Supai. And I'm telling this illustration because we didn't see it coming. And there's a part of this hike at Supai where it's really weird and ladders and sketchy and strange. And thank strange. God I didn't see it coming because I would have never gone in. <laughs> you would not have trusted the process. But here's what happens. I, I'm not thinking, I, I, I'm not afraid of heights, so it's not hard for me to go up and down the ladder and kind of help people get down this wet laddery part at Supai when, in the hike. That night around the campfire, I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm sitting next to you, Brooke. And people are like, okay, debrief your day. And this woman who's sitting across the campfire, I'm thinking is going to say something about Jesus. And she says... Dang you, Billy. And I'm like, what? What? I helped you down the ladder. She goes, she's crying. She goes, I don't trust men. And I was frozen and you came up and helped me down the ladder. Now, I, Billy, didn't do that to heal her from all of her wounds about men. Trust me, I wasn't even thinking (laughs) that. I was just trying to get her down to the waterfall. (laughs) My point with that is um, we don't know the pain, the trauma, the suffering that people bring pre their encounter with Jesus. And yet we think our community is going to fix all that right away. We were, to me, I was just on a hike to her. It was a lot of pain brought to that day that God used hiking to kind of break through. And I think that's part of also the challenge we're feeling when we're creating community with people. We think everyone's got the same story. We think everyone's got the same pain we have. You know, my thing of being a pastor's kid, I'm assuming you all have that. None of you do. And so, but that is another piece we're bumping into as we're asking people to follow Jesus. Is we're asking, go ahead, go ahead, share your thing. I'm. I'm wow, I didn't know that was in our group. And yet that's accepted here. But I can't promise you, I can't promise you I have the answers. I just promise you I'll walk with you but I know Jesus has got some healing in store for you. So I think that's another layer. When I try to think about reconciliation and community, I keep bumping into the craziest stuff. Mm-hmm. who to thunk? Amazing people whose lives are a disaster. Why? Yeah. Because they're human. Yeah. And where are they gonna go with that mess? I hope church is where they end up. Mm.
0: Okay. Do you think they're ending up in church, Tyler?
2: Yeah. Some
3: are. Yeah. I mean, I do this for a living and so I, I mean, some of that question comes out of, you know, there's incredible statistics right now of how many people are leaving the church. There's an article in The Atlantic a few weeks ago that, if, um, about pews being empty. If you Google something like that, you'll find it. It's It's really disheartening. But I still watch week in and week out people show up. And the question is whether they show up there or they show up across from you while you're having a glass of wine at a wine bar or um, show up next to you at the gym when you're running on the treadmill um, the rea- the question we have to post ourselves if we're Christians is am I allowing Jesus to be present in me for me and for them enough that they'll see that you know mm-hmm. um, so church. so an in, so in answer I mean I uh, I've got as much questions about the church as we visibly see it uh, as anybody does, and yet I can't get away from the fact that I think the people of God are meant to be the body of Christ in the world. And so how we do it, what it looks like, um, all open for questions, and I have plenty of convictions on it. Um, (laughs) What I know we can't compromise is it better be, as Holy Yoga says, a Christ-centered community, and we better take Jesus's words of honesty and compassion with the same weight of seriousness um,
2: in the midst of it. So I think some are, and some aren't. I mean, the numbers don't look great, but- um... But I see it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think it's an opportunity for the church to look at itself in the mirror and say, what we used to do to attract people isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so what's gonna, what's gonna be our mission field again? And I think what I where I see great hope is when the church put, humbles itself with other churches, with with non-church people, to do things that are systemic injustices in our culture. I think the non-believer hack is really hard to argue that the people who are winning the, the day in Syria are Christians right now, that have not fled. Uh, that, the, that What's winning the day right now is the church at the front line of injustice issues around foster care and families in our state. And I go, when people challenge me who don't know Jesus and they're like, the church is messed up and I went to church as a kid and I go, okay, whatever. Tell me your club. And what it's doing about these systemic ills in our culture, they don't have an answer. And it's very hard to argue with love, Tyler, back to your point about love. It's really hard to argue when love is shown without reward. And I think that's where the church can win the day now.
1: Well, and let's be careful not to define the church as a building. Yeah, of course. Right? So when you look at the church that way, you look at the way the youth of our day, my daughter is 13 and social justice. I feel like they get it. I feel like that's it's not a new thing it's oh great back to basics because most prison ministries most homeless shelters were born out of christian organizations catholic organizations that began that so if they're not doing a new thing they're getting back to basics i mean we got away from that for a while and focused on family and that's great but it was my individual family and now the the younger generation i don't think they're leaving the church i think they're leaving the church building but i think that they are starting to to get it and there is i think i think they're just moving away from the church building and into the marketplace which is again it's not a new thing there's nothing new under the sun right it's just a it's just a coming home mm-hmm. because that's what the church is it's just the big c
2: i sorry if i've said this before with you guys but i think the church thought of itself as the biosphere that's my me- one of my metaphors the biosphere is a thing in tucson that was an attempt to contain life so we could take it to mars or something um it didn't work the, the, the an attempt to contain life doesn't keep life it died the trees died the water got stale to con- life has to be released and when church thought it was, hey, let's all get in the room and contain life and make sure we all believe the same things, it, it will die. What makes it alive is letting that crazy person who's not one of us in yes. and having us rethink our mission. What's, what, what gives us life is the challenge of loving neighbor, which isn't easy. It's super, super hard. But then it changes. Then it gives us life. And, and I'm just thinking about it, even with our kids, you know, we want to keep them safe, but that doesn't make them alive and there's something about living life that's very unsafe doesn't mean God isn't big but I think that's another piece of that that I think the church is going to really step to the forefront in
0: fantastic so let me ask you um, um I'm I'm a listener to these podcasts and I I don't even like church I don't go to church uh I actually just go to holy yoga that's just kind of what I do and that's that's just who I am and I'm not apologizing for it that's so how like let's translate this kind of conversation this tension in community this um, can we can we bring it down a little bit a little more micro to I don't um, this friend of mine who has an incredible faith who I have a great deal of respect for she doesn't agree with me. she doesn't agree with my with my relationship with Jesus she doesn't or he doesn't whatever whatever the situation is can we bring it down a little bit we've been talking about the church more macro can we talk about a micro what do we do with that what do we do with especially someone that we respect in terms of our faith right we go wow Tyler uh you don't agree with with me in the way that you know i'm living or i don't even know whatever whatever but i do respect you and i do so how do i knowing what i know about myself in christ knowing and being steeped in the reality of my relationship with christ knowing who i am we don't agree so do we not have unity because we don't agree or talk me through that a little bit and how do we steward that well right where we go it's okay like your relationship with christ because your identity in christ is uniquely yours this your spirituality will have to reflect something that's uniquely yours that's just i'm not tyler i'm not johnny i'm not billy and so the way that god meets me the way that god speaks to me you know the bible is god breathed and profitable for teaching well breath Breath feeds whatever needs feeding. (laughs) Breath brings life to whatever needs life. And so the way that the Lord is using his word to speak to my particular circumstance is going to be uniquely mine. So if we don't agree, do we still have unity? And how do we do that in interpersonal relationship, not just on a macro level?
3: Yeah, I think... um... You said something earlier that I think is really true. If Christ is in you, you have unity in the spirit. But then the New Testament talks all the time about living into that reality. It's true. Even Jesus's prayer in John 17 of God, my prayer is that they would be one as you and I are one. Mm -hmm. So it's true. There's a unity of spirit. But then Paul says, you know, do everything to preserve the unity of the spirit in a bond of peace. So then the question is. We're going to disagree. So this unity of the spirit and bond of peace, um, we have to begin to think about. And I would always start by going, explore the Bible more because there isn't just every, virtually every single letter Paul writes to the churches. He's writing it because to some level, they're really struggling getting it right. And most often it's because of relationships. Galatians is written in large part because there's a division between Jews and Gentiles. Um, You have at the beginning of Acts a situation where the Greek Jewish widows are not being served, but the Hebrew Jewish widows are, and you go, that's a problem. You have a situation in Philippians where Paul's saying, just tell these two women to get along. You know, that there is this sense of, but then there's all these questions of, but what does that look like? Like, Paul, would you bring that into my context in the 21st century is I have this problem with this other person and I think what I'm viewing right now is really really important and we are going to screw up the history of the church if we don't get this right there's plenty of people that think that Mm -hmm. I would just say I can't answer that directly because I do think truth matters because it's the truth that sets us free Mm -hmm. um what I would say is it at a very real level breathe and believe God's God. So there's this passage in Exodus 14, 14. I wish I had it pulled up on my phone right now. Maybe Billy will pull it up. But essentially what's being told in the midst of this amazing moment of the Exodus is stop fighting. You only need to be still. That's right. And I think there's this sense of like when i have inner turmoil be still and know that i'm god that's true but we always have inner turmoil because we have external turmoil yeah and there's this sense of like are you in the end the word you used brooke earlier is depending so at some point i've got to go do i believe god to be god that's right and one then secondly that's the only thing that enables me to really love the other person and this is where i believe to the core of my being, this whole idea of outside help, primarily because I believe at the core, the Bible's real, that all things have been created through Christ and for Christ. That means my whole being has been made for God and meant to be in relationship with God and for me to gain wisdom, for me to gain power, for me to gain insight, life, um, freedom from God. So if in the end, I I wholeheartedly believe as a Christian, I cannot love my neighbor as myself if I am not consistently and fully encountering God's infinite love for me. Um, and on my, that he did these things on my behalf. So when Paul says, you know, uh, Christ died for sinners of whom I am the chief, like this idea and why Well, God so love the world because of love. And so I think I would say in the midst of disagreement, believe God's God, see him radically loving you in spite of all your differences while we were sinners christ died for us like while we are enemies christ is meeting us christ is going to us that only then can i rightfully sit with someone and go you know i don't need to be god in their life especially if it's a christian i don't need to be not even even if it's not i shouldn't even have made that distinction if it's anybody god's god and he can move and i need to trust that in my job is only to love my neighbor as myself
1: Well, and that's why it comes down to reconciliation in community right like this is exactly what we're talking about because if there isn't an inherent fear that i'm going to get rejected here if my identity is solid and i am fully accepted by god in this circumstance whether you agree with me or not because like personally i was raised by a mentally ill narcissist and so if i was rejected by her it was devastating like devastating to me as a child so as i've gotten older if you disagree with me trigger for rejection and so if I, my identity is solid and I'm reconciled to Christ and not trying to reconcile to you, I can totally disagree with you and still love you and be secure in who I am because I'm not reconciling to you.
3: Mm-hmm. I, you want,
2: I want to give her a high five on that. Go, go ahead. Do it. Yeah.
0: High, five. high
2: fives. Um, you started your question to Tyler also with, uh, what about someone who just loves holy yoga but isn't connected to church or it's some form of that? And I would say, Fine. Uh, But you might be missing something about 2,000 years of a legacy you live in. And it's just healthy to know we're part of something bigger than us. Totally. This story has many streams and rivers that flow, but we're one tribe and we're one people and we're God's people. And where are you going to learn about that? Where are you going to discover your place in that? Not just to receive the blessing Mm -hmm. of this 2,000 years of story, Um, You know, I say that many people that I know who grew up Baptist are now Catholic or not anything, but they they recognize that we're part of this longer narrative. Mm -hmm. And that's a real healthy piece of church because Mm -hmm. we start Mm -hmm. to find that, oh, this is my real tribe. Yeah, Uh, that's right. How are we going to define that right now? And that. So not just for community's sake, because it's a good thing, but also for kind of our brains, to get our brains in the right place, to get our minds and get wise about the things that we live in. It's not just now, we're not shopping. We're not consumers. We're, we're part of a long story. And the more I study church history, the more I'm fascinated and thankful that that's the tribe I'm from. We've, mm-hmm. we've done horrible things. We, the church can be guilty of, for horrible things. But it's beautiful things as well, and mm-hmm. probably the most redemptive piece of history in the last two thousand years has been those who have taken Jesus seriously and
1: mm-hmm. stayed at the table. Because yeah. my testimony is that I stayed at the table. At, like I, I, was convicted by the Lord a few years ago that I'm not. Y- you will not church shop. You will stay in this church, and I would stay with arms crossed. Like it's watered down. It's this. It's that. My husband and kids were growing and thriving, and I stayed at the table, and I fell. Oh, I'm gonna cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> head over heels in love with my church. And because I stayed, mm-hmm. I got both. I got all of holy yoga and all of the church. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the invitation from Christ. You don't have to choose, you can have it all if mm-hmm. you stay in the tension. Mm-hmm.
3: Can Can I just say something on this? Um, maybe just because I'm a pastor, but more because I actually really believe this. Uh, I really appreciate what Billy and Johnny just said. And I would say this, if you're a Christian in the midst of this, you are brought to Jesus, and therefore, whether you like it or not, you're a part of the church. That's right. And so you don't—so this—and then I'd say be very careful with spitting on the bride of Christ. So Dorothy Day once yeah. said this, and I just pulled a this A Catholic, up. by the way. Come on, Billy.
2: <laughs>
3: As to— said this as to the church where else shall we go except to the bride of Christ one flesh with Christ though she is a harlot at times she is our mother Mm. it's just an amazing and to me this is where we have to step back and go I love my family are we a mess yes at times are we horrific yes but it's my family like this is a this reality that is so hard and it's interesting when you say the the term um peter says of where else would we go lord you have the words of eternal life is christ is the head of the church right that's what the new testament says and there's a sense of if he's the head of the church if i go to christ i get the church and there is this other part of you have to ask yourself where like when the psalmist says where can i flee from your presence where else would i go I promise you it doesn't matter what community you run to, it's all screwed up. That's Guaranteed. Right. Totally. There is an expectation on the church, I, I, especially from Christians, of like they're so disappointed in the church. And I want at times to go like, what do you expect? Like, I mean, what do you actually – yes, like it's this is the nature. It's a community of sinful people being redeemed, having been redeemed and being redeemed by the Father through Christ. And so, yes, and, and this is where I'd say embrace the tension is – In some really odd, weird way, God consistently is using the most difficult, challenging things to reveal our darkness and bring us to the light. Like Mm -hmm. he is the light consistently. Mm. And he always does it through other people. So it's like if you run away from it, I watch it happen all the time. Like people run away thinking I'm just going to get away from this and it's going to get better. And most oftentimes, candidly, it gets worse because company – affects you, socialization works. So if Mm -hmm. you're sitting there going, I wanna be driven to Jesus, even if they're screwed up people, you better get around people that are trying to go to Jesus. And
2: I think we would all agree, Jesus and the church are not the same thing. If that helps you, if you've been wounded by church, trust me, that wasn't Jesus wounding you. Mm -hmm. It was human beings wounding you. They're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know of a better delivery system (laughs) that Jesus has set up for us to find him Then in the gathering of his people around his word and around the sacraments, he kind of said, I I know I'm in you personally, but watch what happens when you're together in me. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a difference for me. I can listen to worship music on Pandora and get something from it. I rarely cry. But when I'm in worship with real worship, with others, I cry. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Because there's, God does something in the unity of his people that he doesn't just do with us individually. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I'd say, that, yeah, they're not the same, but they're actually, I say it again, what better way to find him than among his people seeking him together? And I'll say one other thing, because I used to be a pastor, but I got out. And I would say this. <laughs> You're <they're> a <laughs> smart man, my but friend. But I got no, out. No, wait, wait, wait. I escaped. I was going to affirm Tyler here. All right, give me a second. And, and Johnny, uh, I want to say to folks, um, the leaders that you have bumped into are human. Yes. So treat them as human. But they don't wake up every day trying to mess up your life. I honestly, now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> uh, they wake up today uh, wanting to honor the Lord with the leadership they're given they feel way more responsibility before the lord than they do you and and so there i my brothers and sisters who preach and teach take that calling seriously and so because of that um yes treat them as human but also respect the fact that they are really seeking out the lord's best interest for the listeners yeah. and give them grace in that journey, but also respect that they're doing their best to serve yeah. you. Yeah.
0: And I agree with that, too, in terms of leadership. You know, they're always, you know, you can't teach what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so we're all in desperate need of Christ, and we're all in desperate need of an intersection. We're all in desperate need of salvation right. in the moment. And so you're right with leadership. It's like there's an expectation or an assumption that they've got it all together. I am I mean, I'm a leader, uh, and I and i may not be a pastor but that doesn't change the fact that i have the weight of the call on my life right and i think we all do and when we talked in in uh, part one of this podcast um, we were talking about whether you are a leader on a big platform or you're a leader in your home or in your marriage or you're just leading like your little child into the fullness of Christ, like you're a leader. And so God is, God is so good that he bestows enough grace for a leader and follower to, to engage. Um, I would say too, I love what Tyler said about, um, you know, I'm, I'm to love others as I love myself. And um, that's so dangerous. If we're not constantly being um, really uh, intentional about connecting with Christ, to receive the love of the Father. You know, I can only give what I've ever received. I can only teach what I only know. And so this idea of living, I mean, I, I, I don't treat my, if somebody talked to me the way I talk to me, oh. they wouldn't be talking to me.
1: Right. Right. Or you wouldn't listen to them.
0: Right. Like, And so this idea of, and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna serve from that space. I'm gonna love from that space of my intent. So this tension with authentic community, I think is that as leaders, as people who are steeped in the reality of God, that we come fully with our brokenness, right? And then there's an expectation or an assumption that that shouldn't happen. And so I think that's really what we're talking about. I think that's kind of the overarching conversation is that reconciliation in community is about being reconciled to Christ constantly like making that the discipline now I I love like I, I was thinking when everyone was talking about the church and people have been wounded it's like where else where else do you suggest that you would go and have any more safety right like like the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony breathes life so we come into communion with one another into community with one another we're communing with God and therefore a community is built around that communing right so we have this that is the safest place and I'm sorry if you've been wounded listen if you have if you're afraid of the church, you need to go back to church Holy yoga is not enough. Yeah. Whatever discipline you're team, go back to church because there's healing and restoration there. There is no safer place on the planet than the church because it is ordained and covered by the blood of Christ, period.
1: Well, and here's the truth. I've been wounded inside my parenting. I've been wounded inside my marriage but here's the difference i've made a covenant in those yeah and in my head and my heart i haven't made a covenant at church so it's okay for me to go if you've hurt me and not stay but when you truly enter into the church family and you make covenant with them like covenant is sacrificial love there is a sacrifice that has to take place and so if i enter into that in covenant then it's not an option to go right it's the it's that holiness invading every area it can't just invade my marriage or and, my parenting
0: and the cool thing about covenant too i heard a i think it was a tim keller thing but he was saying um with covenant what's incredible is that when you're in covenant with christ like a married a married couple so if you're if your husband you're married um a young parent the wife has to stay home with the baby but this but the husband goes to church and is like there's this huge anointing the wife partakes in that anointing because there's covenant they're in covenant with Christ, so he stands as proxy, like Christ stands as proxy. So we have this covenant, so we can be in a community, whether it be church or holy yoga or an organization, where we are in covenant with Christ, and it breeds that covering for the rest of the community. Do you know what I'm saying? So that covenant, that thing of covenant is so incredibly important. Well, and I feel like we might almost for a moment be doing the church thing here and just assuming
1: everybody knows what covenant is. Like, I I think that uh, there's a lot of people who don't realize that a covenant is not a contract, right? And in fact, if you enter into a marriage as a contract is you're going to do this for me. And when you do, then great, I'm going to stay. And if you don't, I'm out. Well, that's a contract. And that's, I don't want any kind of a contract, even in my friendship with you. I don't want that, right? Because you're going to break the contract. But a covenant says God is the only one who can keep this binding. And so like in Genesis 15, God held both ends of the covenant because we are not able to. And so the only thing that makes any kind of authentic community available to us is his power, his grace. And so if you're giving grace to yourself, if you're giving grace to each other, if you're giving grace to the leaders in your church, if you're receiving God's grace constantly, then it's just this
0: endless sea of receive, give out, receive, Mm -hmm. give out. And I love that what Billy said earlier, that life is not about holding, it's about releasing. And it's that thing where we love others as God loves us. We only love because God loves us. So we receive that, but it has to go. It has to be released in order. It's the breath. When you think about the physiology, when you think about the micro level of our creativity, creation when God breathes and he speaks everything else into existence but when he, bre- he breathes life into a man and so there's this really intricate thing even in our f- physiology our biology that responds to the need of Christ and it's this constant filling and then releasing filling and then releasing and that's what brings life yeah
2: you know uh, one of the other things I want to say is if the form that you've been using dries up Find a different form, but don't quit seeking him. That's right. So if the Bible study thing that worked for you for five years and suddenly you're just going through the motions, quit going. <laughs> I mean, I, right. that's not serving anyone. Uh, if the tradition that you grew up in um, doesn't work, don't, you don't throw out all of it. You just might say, "Boy, I'm kind of sick of that tradition. I think sometimes I, we just got to be reminded God is big mm-hmm. and he wants to be known and Jesus is present. But the form that used to work for me at 25 doesn't work for me at 54. It mm-hmm. just doesn't. Mm-hmm. I'm, gr- I'm different, I see things different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is also a little way that we find our way back into the community is that we don't assume the way that we had to always do it has to be the way we have to do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Find the new way of breathing life into you. Give yourself grace. Yeah, that's right. You talked about what the bad messages you tell yourself. I think the same way. What, What you think church is saying to you is probably not what it's saying. That's right. It's probably you talking to yourself. And so if you could realize, oh, that was just the old forms I used to use, uh, I'm going to get out of that for a while and see what is really being said here? What is God really saying to me in this season?
0: And that's so encouraging, too. I just said to Johnny, like the old has gone and the new has come, period. That's called salvation, and we are working that out, right? That's the actualization of salvation is that the old has gone. That form of thought, it may have been right at the time. It's no longer valid because Christ has birthed a new thing, right? So, thank you guys so much. This has been huh, so, so encouraging to my own heart. I pray that uh, the listeners, I pray each and every one of you have just been. Um, There's so much I feel like if you you should listen to this six or seven times, I think I'm going to do the same. So um, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this episode of we are conversations and community. We would love to invite you to connect with us on Facebook. We've started regional groups for people to connect with holy yoga and dialogue about these podcasts as we dig deeper into our four pillars of yoga. Uh, Christ, Community, and Living Beyond Ourselves. Just go ahead and search for Holy Yoga Midwest or Global or Southwest to be a part of the conversation. We exist to serve you. So until next time, bless you and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day.